What's going on, everybody, and welcome to this 40th episode of the Reluctant Vegan Son podcast. I'm Adam, the Reluctant Vegan Son. This thing was recorded on Pie Day. We do talk a lot about pie. We also talk about our mind a little bit and what's going on. And we were just having a great conversation, great time, so enjoy the episode. Before quarantine, I was on spring break in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I was drinking, I was smoking, don't catch me FBI, I was living life. I thought I had a great time. I was eating a shit ton of fast food. Quarantine hit, I came home, my family is vegan. I became the reluctant vegan son. This is my podcast talking with my friends and family about food, veganism, all types of things, whatever the fuck comes up and I love it. So, hit the music. Welcome to the 40th. I know, I know. 40. We did it. Well, we didn't do it. We're still doing it. But 40 (laughs) episodes of the Reluctant Vegan Sum podcast. 10 away from a 50. It's a big number. 50 feels like a bigger number than 40. I mean, 40 is important, but 50, it's half a hundred. But the real big number is actually 52. Yes. Yes. Because that means that this has been one year's worth of shows now that's three months mm. from now so that is a long time away mm. but that will be a year's worth so this is three quarters of a year's worth i guess wow pretty much yeah yeah it's pretty awesome about it well if you do i would say that doing anything for this long is always good you just mm-hmm. stick at it mm-hmm. yeah mm. so yes 40th episode it's pretty impressive 40 is a big year a lot of people think it's the start of the decline of life you would argue that well a lot of people i don't know people are like oh you're over 40 people like 30 plus 40 plus how old are you 40 plus 30 plus right so it makes a feeling that if you're above 40 that's starting to decline even though it's only half your life that's true it depends on who you are though for some people it's less than half their life for some people it's more than half their life that's true it really depends. But on average, you're right. It's about half their life. About half. Yeah. And so what you do, you have that, that incline up and then all of a sudden it just starts to go down. I guess there's some things that go down, but there are other things that have gotten much exactly. better for me. I'm 56. So people don't think about that. I mean, people say the decline starts at 25. Well, more like 30. Yeah. But what are they saying declines? People always say college is the best four years of your life. It might be the best four years of your life, but it doesn't mean the rest of your life shouldn't be great. I mean, if you I, say I that, that's know the if top. It has to be the best. I mean, could, could every moment you're in be the best moment you're in? Exactly. You appreciate the now. If you're looking forward to college, looking past college, looking to do whatever. Like I'm, I'm, I've said this a lot that I want to get the fuck out of here. I want to move on. But mm. that means I'm not taking advantage of what's going on here. That's no reason to not take advantage of what's going on in the current and the now. True. True. But people say college is the best four years of their life. So it means the rest of your life is not the best part of your life. And that's fucking I'm still stupid. trying to figure out what they mean by the best four years. Like, because you can do whatever the fuck you want and have no responsibilities and get drunk all the time. And you have a young body. So you respond fairly quickly. I'm wow. pretty sure that is what people mean by college being the best four years of your life. So that, for- that was so not the best four years of my life. Let me tell you. <laughs> Wow. So that's the bar. 
it's yeah. that you can get as drunk as you want with as many people as you want without any responsibility and mm-hmm. your body not. And all you have to do is turn in homework. I mean, your body obviously does have limits, even if you're super healthy. I mean, all these hazing incidents, all these whatever. And your body does have its limits, but people push them as far as they can. Wow. But I think that those ages, we were talking about this, the young adult ages from 20 to 30, where you don't know who you're going to be with. You don't know what kind of job you're going to have. You're not exactly sure where you're going to live. There's a ton of unknowns that we never get to work on. And then everyone tells you it's the best time of your life. So you're so confused as to why you're not having the best time of your life, whether you think you are or not. I don't Mm -hmm. know, but it's a confusing time. And it's It's a very confusing time. Unknown time. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Well, no, or at least some part of it. Yeah, I don't want to. If I think about what I'm doing for the rest of my life, I got problems. I mean, I know what I would like to do right now. Like, if my business takes off, that could be something I do for the rest of my life. Mm. It could not be. That's part right. of the reason. I don't think. I mean, I think it's good to think. I know people have ten year plans, five year plans, and those are good things to have. If you mm. want to say your goal for your 10 year goal is to move out or to, you know, be self-sufficient or do whatever, that's a good, or your five-year goal probably is more likely at my age at that mm-hmm. point to do that. That's a good goal, but right. you also have to break that down to what you're going to be doing sooner. Five years is a long time away. You don't know what your life is going to be like in five years. So much can True. change in that amount of time. Right. I don't know what I do tomorrow. Well, I have homework due tomorrow, so I know what I have to do tomorrow, <laughs> but besides that, I don't really do that. I mean, I like making plans, but then when you make plans, plans can change and that's okay. That's true. And one of the reasons why people make plans for the rest of their life, I mean, I'm reading this book right now. It's called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Kahneman. It's a really good book. I'm only up to chapter five. Again? Thinking Fast and Slow. What's it about? It's a psychology book. It's about your mind. It's interesting a how a lot of what I believe. No. No, I saw it in the New York Times uh, of people reading this book. And it was a lot of like Major League Baseball executives reading this book. So what, what exactly is the premise of this book? It's just talking about your mind. It's talking about you have uh, the basic synopsis that your brain has two systems. One system is system one is, you know, your day to day, your quick thought processing, your subconscious brain, basically, that you don't even recognize most of the time. And then the second system is you. And you are your deeper thinking, your more thoughtful thinking, your more thoughtful thinking. And that takes a lot of effort and takes a lot more time. And you know when you're using that brain and you can't do as much. You have to be super focused. So it's talking about your brain having two different systems within it, the subconscious brain and the conscious effort brain, basically. And your conscious brain needs to uh, approve what your subconscious does, but it doesn't always check whether it's right. And so it talks about your brain as like kind of systems. It's really interesting, which makes a lot of sense to me. A lot of this, my theories or a lot of the stuff that I believe in and that we do is in the book and is almost proved psychologic, is almost proved scientifically and psychologically. It, it proved many times scientifically. Yeah. This is kind of the premise of the counseling we do. It's the premise mm-hmm. of the coach. Exactly. It's all the same. Yeah. It's all so proven scientifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I get to the same thing. And I'm like, oh, shit. So why do I need a sociology degree again? I can pay <laughs> 20 bucks for a book, annotate it. We have it for the rest of my life. But what is it? Goodwill Hunting, my favorite movie. 
You dropped a yeah. hundred fucking thousand dollars on a degree you could pick up for $10 in late charges at the library. Mm-hmm. The only difference is yeah. that you can't annotate directly on the book and you can't do that anyways if you're renting the book. So from the school. Did you actually buy the book? I did buy did the you book. Get a copy? Wow. I did actually buy the book. Did you I know, buy I went into a, I, No, I went to a bookstore. They have bookstores in New Paltz. Wow. Yeah, I was looking for another book that. too. It was good. Cool. Mm-hmm. wasn't too bad hey. bookstores hmm. i like bookstores they're cool bookstores yeah, are overwhelming are- though there's mm. just so many options and you never know what to pick unless you go in with a mindset you don't know right. and then i always wonder whether the book is good or not so people only it's hard to have a best-selling book i think or i mean yeah it's books and are all about momentum i mean anything is right. but there's so many books that you don't know about that are probably great and so many books are there that maybe aren't that great and you all go and get the books based on previous reviews or what's going on. So you said that you saw this book in the New York Times. I saw this book in the New York Times. Or? I was an article about how a lot of MLB exec- executives read this book and they changed the way they think about their players and shit. They're more conscious with their effort. They don't try to limit their tendencies because a lot of the stuff is familiarity. If you take the NFL, for instance, NFL quarterbacks, a lot of people like the mold of an NFL quarterback. They're afraid to change. Mm. So you got these six foot five white guys who stand in the pocket and throw the ball a mile. Right. But the game is changing and different things happen. But a lot of owners and GMs still like the image of a six foot five white guy. Now, some of that right. could be just a little bit racism. Some of it could be there's some way, but it's also familiarity. Right. And and so that's changing now as more of these other quarterbacks are doing well. Like Lamar Jackson has done great. Patrick Mahomes. He throws the ball a fucking mile, but he's not a six for five white guy. Uh, let's see who else is great. Russell Wilson. He's shorter. Kyler Murray, who was the first pick. He was shorter too. And it's changing, but it takes time. And people mm. have these biases and they don't. And a lot of times it's not recognized that you have a bias. A lot of this stuff is subconscious and you don't know why. I mean, it talked about even subliminals in the book. It said your brain can process images so fast that you don't know them. And then they breed familiarity. I don't personally, I don't think advertising works. But unless I'm thinking about price, if I go to the supermarket and I got to pick out a brand of toilet paper, I'm probably picking Charmin because that's what we have at home and it has the most ads. That's one you know yeah. about. You don't even think about that. Like, I'm like, oh, shit, that advertisement doesn't work. Like, the advertisements don't work for me because I don't think I get Geico. But if you think about it, if you see Geico, 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 oh, shit, I got to get car insurance. Well, guess I'm getting Geico. Right. Well, you know to call Geico. Yeah. So they're the name that's most familiar. You don't know unless you do your research whether that's the best insurance, whether mm-hmm. that's the insurance that's the cheapest or whatever. Yeah. But if you're looking for name recognition, then Geico is the one. That's mm-hmm. for sure. So that's it talks a lot about that type of thing. I love it's it. A lot of, it's a lot of what you already know, but it talks about experiments. Or it might not be what you already know for everybody. It's the way I think. Because they have a lot of these word puzzles. And I've seen some of these before and I've not. But I get them right all the time. You're like, oh, a lot of people don't get to be right. Well, I'm also prepared, preparing myself for these wood crystals. I'm like, huh. Well, it's not probably the first thing that comes into my mind. Mm. So. Interesting. That's what I've been reading. I'm really glad you're reading that book. That sounds really great. Yeah, I like it. It's interesting. I've been annotating it. I stopped reading about stocks. That fat is coming down. <laughs> but hey, GME to the moon. GMA going up. 
My stock account, I have a, a TD Ameritrade account, which I, which I put $1,000 in with the hopes that somehow I was going to be a millionaire within three months. It like plummeted the first two weeks. And now it's it, it keeps like coming back slightly to the, its original $1,000, but never quite there. So mm-hmm. I never know when to sell or not. So it's becoming a long-term stock investment, even though somehow I thought I was going to do a lot of trading with it just in mm-hmm. this particular account. But the quickest way to lose $1,000 is put it in the stock market. It's also the quickest way to gain $1,000. That's true, but it's fast and you never know what's going to happen with it. It's pretty volatile. Well, there are ways to study it. People people have picked winners for the longest time. People are, why do you think so many people have brokerage firms and shit like that? Like they do something right. They have their philosophies, they do it. They spend all their time doing this. So there is I a skill to it philosophy on, on how I'm picking stocks right now. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you pick stocks um, based on what you believe in? Well, part of it is that I'm, ba- I'm basing on, on a sustainability thing, but then I'm also, wait, what was that? You just laughed about something. Yeah. That you're basing it purely off your beliefs and not studying whether they're necessarily good stocks or not. Well, no, and there's another part. So I'm looking okay. at the, the high and the low of the stock and if it had continuous growth or not and what the continuous growth is. So I put in some formula in my TD Ameritrade thing and I got mm-hmm. about 50, 100 stocks that were actually doing that over the year. And then, and then I'm picking the few companies that I like. So I had three companies that I'm doing that and they're pretty much holding. They haven't really lost much, but they haven't gained much either, mm-hmm. which is okay. I'm, I'm the small cap stocks, I kind of like the small yeah. cap ones. I mean, if they're long-term prospects, then you can put money in whenever. If you're looking to day trade, that's yeah. when you need to really pick the winners at the right time. But if you're looking yeah, to invest for five years. Right, exactly. So daddy bought the same stock as me at the lowest point, And I bought it kind of in the mid to a little bit of a high point. And he's like, oh, the stock is doing so well today. I'm like, no, 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 that stock lost, blah, blah, blah for me. <laughs> so it's the, it's the, where do you buy it? And then when do you sell it? Like people don't talk about when they're selling these stocks either. So oh, there are ways I'm writing a book on it, but I don't know my own philosophies. Buying, they talk about buying on the way up, actually, because if it's going down, it could keep going down unless there's a huge mm. reason to buy it on the way down. Mm. Stocks going down, you never know when they're going to rebound. And so you could buy it. So people actually try to buy people who in the past, they say to buy stocks at new highs when it's come from a sound like base. So you got the base structure. And then when it comes up to the new high off of the base structure, you're like, oh shit, this is a really strong stock. It's going to keep going. And that's why people don't buy on the way down, at least in the book I'm reading. Right. But I think that also, if you've noticed a trend where they do go down and then they go up to a higher level. How you know it's going to go back up? It, well, you're just looking at the trend of a year. So if it's going down and back up and each time it goes up, it goes up incrementally, you know, in its peak, then you know that there's a history of it. Whether mm-hmm. it's going to happen that way or not, I'm not sure. And then I was yeah. seeing if there was any news about that particular company, if they've invested in, in any mm-hmm. new products or doing any other research. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. So far, it hasn't really panned out. But that's okay because I didn't get to zero. So I still have $850 of my $1,000 trying to figure out what to do with. So I'm mm-hmm. learning and I'm feeling like I'm becoming nimble at it. And I think that that's the purpose. This was $1,000 to learn. So if I lost it, I would have lost it. But I'm becoming nimble thinking about money. And that's helping me in many different ways. It's an investment on yourself. If you right. choose to always invest in yourself, you never lose. 
<laughs> that's if you've got your back like do you mm-hmm. trust yourself to finish whatever project you decide to do yeah and if you trust yourself then you know you'll always get where you need to go mm-hmm. if you don't trust yourself to do it and just hope that it gets done then it won't happen mm-hmm. that's a good great way to do it so yeah. so get your back get your back and get some pie today <laughs> that was a really good segue yeah. is march 14th well yesterday well these come out on march 15th anyways when we're recording this is march 14th which is pie day mm. 3.124 day or very close uh, 3.14 yeah so we're gonna Great. spend the rest of this time telling you what all the numbers of pi are seriously okay? yeah of course right Definitely. People are really right. going to stick. That. People are going to love that. this. Okay, great. 3.141592. Okay, that's all that I know off the top of my head. You can look the rest up. <laughs> you can look the rest up. Uh, but that's usually, I fall asleep to. That's like counting sheep. Yeah, it is. 3.14. <laughs> Nine, two, six, five, three, five, eight, nine, seven, nine. Stand clear of the closing doors. Wow, those doors the, will never close. Or the, or the closing sheep. I don't know. <laughs> Stand clear of the closing sheep. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, it's Pi Day, 3.14. Uh, pi is a great number or terrible number. It, it's a great number that people hate. For good reason. Math sucks to a lot of people. Mm. That's okay. Math's not everybody does something they're good at. Uh, Pi is the forerunner of calculus. A lot of people hate calculus. Pi is a very controversial only That was the only subject in college I got a C in. Calculus. Calc 1 or Calc 2? Both. Both. Calc 2 is harder. Anyways, Pi helped have the number of circles. If you didn't know how the number of Pi was come up with, you basically take a circle. Nobody knows what the uh, circumference was. It circumference? I think it was, no. Yeah, the um, uh, it, pi is yeah, it's the circumference of a circle basically. Two um, uh, it's two right. pi r, right? So right. knowing that the circumference of a circle is two pi r, they found it by putting a bunch of a uh, huge poly polygram, right? Poly, you know what I'm talking? The shape where like a, like a hexagon or like a polygon. There we go. It's very tech. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> Anyways, you take a huge polygon with as many sides. And when Archimedes did it, I think it was Archimedes who came or Euclid, I don't know, some old Greek guy. Okay, <laughs> we, I read this this morning. But basically what he did is he took a circle and then he put a polygon inside. So he started with a hexagon. And so he would put the hexagon inside and he would know that, oh, the pi, which would be two. Um, uh, so if you take the perimeter... Mm-hmm. Okay, which would be six R because one of the sides would be a it would be a radius, the equivalent okay. of a length of a side is a radius, right? Because okay. it has the same diameter. So All if you right. divide it by two, it's the radius, and then you divide the number of sides by that, so he knows that it would be more than three. But he would also okay. know that it would be less than, um, uh, if you made it larger, he knew it would be less than four or something. Right, don't try you made to it larger. And then he did argue. that, and then he. And then he did it with a shit ton, like a huge polygon, and he got it to 98, like a 98 side or 128 or whatever. 
And so wow. he was able to pinpoint what it was in between. So it was like in between 3.14 and 3.15. So he's like, oh, the number wow. of pi is about approximately 3.14. Uh-huh. So that's how the number of pi was created. And it was to help solve the circumference and area of a circle. And then it also wow. became a huge part of calculus uh-huh. and other shit. Interesting. So that's wow. pi. Okay. okay. Uh, I like to eat it. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about eating pie too. What <laughs> is your favorite type of pie? My favorite type of pie. Mm-hmm. I like a really good hot apple pie with some kind of ice cream on top. Okay. Okay. Apple pie? That. You like apple pie? Yeah. Apple pie is just seems yeah. plain. I'm totally into apple pie interesting with some nice cinnamon on it and sugar and the just right crust bubbling and i don't know apple pie is just amazing and you can make like apple crisps and you can make mm. so many different i was gonna things. say what is the most important part of a pie is it the crust or the filling <laughs> i guess it depends on the crust right yeah for apple pie i don't think so I apple pie know. probably is but mm. yeah pie is really tasty Mm-hmm. I do love pie. Do you like pie better than cake? I do like pie better than cake. Cake feels too sweet. Wow. Cake, does, I don't like ice. Does it depend on if there's frosting on the cake? Yeah, the frosting. Or... There's too much frosting. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding I me? Mean, I guess if you get a cake with a lot of frosting, definitely. Yeah, that's the issue. Yeah, pie is that... never that sweet. Mm-hmm. Right? Pie is more savory. I'm more of a savory person. I always say I would rather eat two dinners than a dinner and a dessert. Mm. that's yeah, my I thinking I do. yeah and a lot of people i think disagree with that <laughs> i think they have different uh, you just have your own life. opinions exactly what do you think of dessert versus second meal i'm always into food mm-hmm. give me more food but mm-hmm. i'm also not that into sugar i think sugar is a very addictive thing and the more you eat sugar the more you want sugar so I think it's amazing when I'm not eating sugar, how little sugar I want eventually. But once I start eating it, I seem to need more. Why is sugar so addictive? Do you know? Well, I think that it's the, the first of all, it's a very refined version of something that gives you a dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. So when you eat some fruit, you get a little bit of a dopamine hit, but it's released really slowly. It doesn't release a lot of insulin at one point. And so you like it and you might keep going back and eating it, but you don't need it all the time. But mm-hmm. sugar is a concentrated dopamine hit. So anytime you turn any plant product into a powder first, and then turn it into bread or food or pasta, like in the form of wheat or with sugar, you know, just turn it into a crystallized form. I think of it almost the way I think of cocaine, that it has turned it into a concentrated dopamine hit. And once your body actually gets it, that dopamine hit, that that back part of the brain that you keep talking about says, that is really good. And I've got a dopamine hit. And that must mean that I needed to survive. And then all of a sudden, everything becomes about getting that thing again so that you could survive. Well, you do need sugar to survive. I mean, sugars, because glucose is what powers your brain. Right. Is that what you think? Is that where that comes from or? Probably that you had to look for food. There were people that needed to make sure that they were looking for food in order to survive. Mm-hmm. 
So they were foraging and when they would get hungry and all of a sudden that, that back brain came into play and said, "Uh oh, we need more sugar to keep our brain going and keep our body going, then they'll go out and eat. Now, if you didn't have that portion of your brain, then you might not go and forage for food or look for food. That wouldn't be your survival technique. Mm -hmm. So it, it's the concentrated dopamine hit. Okay. And the survival tendency. Yeah. It's also it's just a, a normal thing. That's, mm -hmm. that's where it gets confusing for people because all of a sudden we've related anytime we can't do anything in small amounts to something that we're doing wrong or some problem with us. But the truth is, is that we are so completely normal. We get that dopamine hit. We think it's for survival and then we go for it. Maybe mm -hmm. the people who are ultimately truly addicted have the really right brains, the ones that would really have survived back in the day. And mm. now with this particular time in history where we don't need it to survive and we have all these excess concentrated dopamine hits, it's all, all of a sudden become like an addiction as well as a disease. But they were probably the people that would have lived. Hmm. That keep wanting. Yeah. They would have kept foraging because now we don't have to, we have everything so convenient and right. we don't have to worry about getting it. it would be, but people did store food forever and we've just ended up perfecting, I would say the way to store food. I mean, as well, modern technology, store food, exactly. So as modern technology has come like the invention of a refrigerator is a great invention that nobody thinks right. about or the freezer. They used to have ice boxes. I mean, Right. And then a lot of the food that was stored just wasn't as fresh and wasn't as good. I mean, people have salted food forever. Uh, They've smoked it and salted it and dried mm -hmm. it. The, the villagers, the Alaskan natives in this village that I just came back from has a ton of dried fish, salted fish, seal oil, everything that they can in order to continue whatever it is they needed to do through mm -hmm. winter season and through the cold season. That's interesting. Yeah, it's really fascinating. And they've been doing the same thing for 10,000 years. And the mm -hmm. foraging happens in relation to the different tundra grasses and the berries, many different mm. kinds of berries, lots of different vitamins in each one. And have, they're usually either frozen, fermented, or turned into jam. Have you tried all the different types of berries? Not yet. Hmm. Okay. You got to get back on that one though. Yeah. yeah. I guess that would be more spring than winter. They're probably almost done with all their berries or they're all in jams and well they plant in spring right they harvest in summer or when do i'm not a gardening person nobody's sure. planting this is all given by the land mm, okay wait so then they would come so then it would come out in spring right exactly okay so you definitely yeah. got to give an update on all the new berries and stuff i definitely will are. my understanding is i could walk right behind my house and i'll be able to forage as much berries as i want oh that's lit don't have to yeah. go back to the store anymore that's what that's why I see the prices are extraordinary in Alaska, but it's also free. It's right. the easiest way to do it. Right. And I'm going to need to figure out how to shoot a caribou or some kind of reindeer or maybe a musk ox or something like that. But I don't think I will. You could try. That would be interesting. <laughs> I actually don't know. I should. I would. I'm going to say I wouldn't do that. I don't think I could bring myself to do it, but that would be an experience. Yeah, I definitely don't feel judgmental. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Like that's an interesting thing about where people have to subsist. Yeah. But I feel, I if feel I very did it, like that would be a problem. 
Right. I feel I'm- committed to not exploiting where we have exploited and kind of ruined the land mm-hmm. for people. So I'm really happy to be vegan, but I don't feel judgmental about where people are doing what they need to do. That's for oh, sure. That's not what I meant. I meant that if I went out there and tried to shoot a caribou, it would be just to say that I shot a caribou. Oh, that would suck. And now that would be like a dopamine caribou and you and you butchered it and you decided to leave it for the winter and that was your food and all you had. Then that's different. Then go at it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's saying like it would be an experience for myself to shoot a caribou, but not one that I really believe in. And that would just be like tourism. I'm like, nope, nope, no, that's not. That sounds awful. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah. Shooting Bambi. (laughs) <laughs> is that would that be a problem do you think that people like hunters and poachers they've seen bambi or do they stay away from that because if i saw bambi i would never be able to kill an animal <laughs> i mean is bambi just any young deer yeah i mean but young deer or young animal in general mm. people differentiate but a young animal that's it's my just... opinion mm. but i saw a nice video of somebody who kind of helped a seal get back in the ocean it was a young seal and they wouldn't mm-hmm. kill it now even a young seal is a couple hundred pounds but damn there there is there's thoughts about what you're willing to you know hunt for in order to survive mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's a lot of stuff i mean a young seal why wouldn't they was that somebody who would usually eat seal or just somebody who yes. came over yeah. somebody who would eat seal normally yeah and it's just they're why not? Did they just save the young seal and then they would capture the older seal or I guess what happened? So. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I didn't go deep. That's into true. It, but I think, I think there are, are ways in which you, yeah. you, you know that it's, it's, that it's not actually meant to happen at that point. And I don't know if it's ever meant to happen or not, but clearly for the people who are surviving here, there, it is what needs to happen in order for them to live. There are also fishing Unless regulations. Really, yeah, totally. And stuff. Totally. So it makes sense. It's in line with what yeah, people do. True. Yeah. Although the fishing regulations are really hard to enforce, especially with the large nets. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they catch and now everything. There's a lot being dumped in the ocean, especially from Russia and different places. So the seals have large big black spots and diseases and so i don't even know if it's mm. healthy for people to to mm. eat them or hunt them but that's awful yeah black going on on a brighter note <laughs> uh, my favorite pie <laughs> is a uh, pecan pie oh yes i love pecan I, pie i'm gonna share is i'm I, i'm very i love pie so every year on thanksgiving Mm. We would listen to the Q1043.com uh, top 1043 songs of all time. You know, Q1043, if you want to pick up our podcast, it'd be pretty cool of you. Anyways, <laughs> our heart radio. Yes. Anyways, uh, anyways, we would watch Q1043 countdown. And we would also go volunteer at a soup kitchen every year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and me and my dad would every year work at the pies. And I will admit, I am not the best pie worker because I would steal pies from the homeless people. And well, there's enough food for everybody. Okay. There would always be pie at the end. Okay. I'm a horrible person. I'm not a horrible person, but you know, in this story, in in this story, I'm kind of the bad guy. Well, I think you're enjoying the bad guy in this story. Like I do enjoy it. This is part of the tale. Yeah. 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 So every year I would work the pie station. 
Uh, now I don't work the pie station. Now I serve lots of people and we have other people work the pie station, but it isn't as easy anywhere. Now, like the pies are down below. Like it used to be, everything was all together. I would sit, I would eat my meal and then go work for the, at the pie station. <laughs> I would eat with my mom. She sits with her patients and eat every year. Uh, me yeah. and Hakeem, rest in peace, Hakeem. I love Hakeem. Who died? He was my guy. He died. He was yeah. the director of the soup kitchen, or he worked in the soup kitchen. I'm not sure if he was the director or something, but he did a he lot. A social service person at the soup kitchen. He was mm-hmm. great. He was incredible. He he's just a great person. He was so so lovely. Uh, me and him every year would take two slices of pecan pie and hide it, or coconut <laughs> cream. I, I I think it was coconut cream. But there's always so every year there's always a ton of sweet potato, a ton of potato, a ton of not potato, ton of pumpkin. Right. Potato pie is like shepherd's pie, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you put sweet potato pie, spice, pie spices in potato, I guess they're a little different, but I feel it might taste kind of okay. It, it would be maybe. sweet. It would yeah. definitely be sweet. That's what I'm saying. Like, in there. Yeah. I'm sure it tastes fine. I mean, yams. <laughs> I mean, these are all starchy, veg- uh, starchy veg- root vegetables, so they're all pretty sure. similar. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, sweet potato. Now, ube pies is a different cousin of sweet potato. That would taste pretty cool. But an ube pie? It's an ube yeah. pie. Ube is, I mean, it's a pie made out of ube. You know ube, right? It's like is the ube purple the, the starch. Yeah, it's like oh, the Japanese purple. That. It's not the Japanese sweet potato, but it's like the Japanese purple thing. Oh, love it. I don't know how to describe it. It's, it. it's a relative. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to describe it, but it's, it's similar to a sweet potato. I think. Did your uh, roommate make it? Naoki? Naoki, no. did he make it? Nah, no, I just, I'm just thinking this would taste pretty good. Uh-huh, yummy. But uh, yeah, ube is like, it's a purple yam. Uh-huh, nice. And I think it, it's, it's using a lot of pastries and desserts. Anyways, uh, so there'd be tons of sweet potato pie, tons of pumpkin pie, tons of apple pie. And there would always be like two pecan pies and one coconut cream pie. <laughs> Now, there's enough pie for everybody here, okay? More right. than enough, not enough pie. pecan pie for everybody. But there's not, not enough pie. pecan and coconut cream pie. <laughs> and Hakeem, every year, would be like, yeah, 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 Adam, yeah, let me get one of those coconut creams. <laughs> I love this guy. And I'd never be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get one for myself, too. I'm, I'm going to get one for myself, too. So I would take a piece of coconut cream or pecan pie for myself, and a piece for Hakeem, and we would hide that shit. And it was great. Yeah. yeah, but no, I mean, it was awesome to serve everybody and it's, it's a great experience. Actually, I, I should be more often because Thanksgiving's the day where it seems soup kitchens do very well on volunteers. So if you true. can, if you have the opportunity to, yes, volunteering on Thanksgiving is a really great thing to do. But all the other okay. days of the year, just as important, people need to right. eat and there's never enough volunteers on those days. So true. Uh, every once in a while, those school groups come in, which is really interesting. Uh-huh. Right. That's true. But, and there are Christian groups that come from around yeah. the country. I mean, yeah, it's, I, it's at a church. So, uh-huh. right. The soup right. kitchen that we would go to. Yeah. I would see, I'd seen patients there for the last 26 years for mm-hmm. a long time. So, you know, it was really great. The reason why I ended up eating with my patients is because like Adam just said, there were lots of people volunteering on that day. So it seemed more important to give them somebody to serve. So I thought, you know what, I might as well just sit and hang out with my patients and then let the people who really feel the urge and need to serve, serve. And I serve every day and mm-hmm. I never get confused about serving and making yeah. sure that I do. And I so. see the same people year after year. Like I remember people, uh, it's, it's really cool. So that's my pie story. 
for pie day. Uh, if you have a pie I store. Forget, I love pecan pie. I love anything with nuts in it. So mm. a pie that has nuts on it. Wow. It's really ooey that's gooey. Awesome. That's, that's the point of the pecan pie. Do you have yes. a good pie story or? I don't have any really great pie story because I'm I'm not a fantastic lover of pie. I generally mm. like cakes and I like chocolate. You like, um, but I'm not a sweet person. Like I'm mm-hmm. much happier with savory stuff. So I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. So yeah, your pie story. Mm-hmm. That's that's my pie story. You know what other pie we also have could talk about? Tell me. Pizza pie. <laughs> that's an often forgetting pie on, one of my uh, most favorite foods pie day pie doesn't that. always have to be sweet too there's so mm-hmm. many savory pies there's shepherd's pie there's is it blood pie i don't know they're blood sausages oh. but i think there's blood pie anyway there's all types of pie there's quiche is quiche a pie i guess so i haven't had quiche in a long time so uh yeah so i think this might be a shorter episode today for Pi Day. We're going to try to have it at 31 and 40, 31 minutes and 40 you seconds. You don't have to. You can keep going for a minute. I'll be right back, everyone. You sure? You sure? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. So back to how, what the numbers are in Pi. Now nah, I'm just kidding. Fuck that. That's too much. I don't like doing math. Uh, math is very hard. And math is, it uses a lot of your brain. Uh, what do I talk about today? Well, Nikki's away for a second. I guess I'm going to talk about I've been discovering a lot of new music, which is really cool. Uh, I just read about shit and whatever I read. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to check it out. I think you want to question everything. You want to check things out. If you read about it, you should do your due diligence and check it out because it could be really cool. It could be really interesting. It could be totally what you don't expect. And it could be the opposite. And that's whether you agree with it or you don't agree with it. And that's one of my favorite things to do is be inquisitive. I was reading in the book and it was talking about, well, no, this isn't a TV show talking about questioning everything. And when you question everything and you don't judge, then you end up answering a lot of things and knowing a lot more and knowing the situation you're in. And so that's something I've been really trying to work on is questioning a lot of stuff. Right, but, but questioning, and that's an interesting thing, when you're questioning out of curiosity and interest as opposed to distrust. And like, I think there are many ways in which you can question things. Mm-hmm. I was just saying, like, I've been listening to a lot of new music. And it's really interesting. And it's not the type of music I'll listen to, but it seems really cool. I was listening to these guys called Domi and JD Beck. They're two uh, jazz musicians. They're really young. They're prodigies. They're incredible. They actually performed with Ariana Grande and fuck, I forgot who else. But recently, this kid's been performing since he was 10. He's been drumming. He's been playing all sorts of places. Wow, not- that is so cool. And he's 16 now and he's performing and he was performing on a virtual show with Ariana Grande. It's wow. pretty cool. I've been watching a lot of drumming videos, actually. Drumio has great videos. Like They have uh, Michael Jackson's drummer, who shows up right. a lot and does I videos. Love uh-huh. John Moffat. Wow. Uh, they have other guys. I think it was Lennox Lewis. No, that's a boxer. Is it Larry Lennox? Anyways, a Drumio video, this guy, <laughs> he listens to songs for the first time and then just recreates it. And you, he just talks about what he's hearing within the song. That's wow. really cool. Wow. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think I, they. Sp- you were a drummer once. I don't know if you know that. I was very you know, bad. Adam <laughs> it was not very good. Well, what we would do is we would go to Guitar Center mm-hmm. just whenever we had some time and you would get to just practice or play on the drums because we lived in an apartment in New York City and we didn't have a drum set and you did like hitting those drums. I like hitting drums. 
Yeah. Fun, and so you would go there and just like hang out and you taught yourself some basic beats. But then there was like, wasn't there a, um, there was a drum competition that happened at Guitar Center. I even have a video and a picture of you doing really? that. You actually played in that drum. You should send me that to me. This is going to be very interesting to see. I might post it too. Yeah. Yeah. I have to figure out if I can find it, but. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. It's re- really impressive. It. Uh, me doing the drums because I have absolutely no rhythm uh, with <laughs> my body. I really like hitting it. But, it was so great. I mean, drums are a great instrument. I mean, my favorite movie growing up is probably Drumline, the movie that I watched the most. Yeah, that's probably true. That was pretty my awesome. Only Nick Cannon movie that's really good. But <laughs> no, Drumline was my favorite movie. Yeah. Growing definitely. up. I'm just interested in drums. They're cool. They're fun to bank. Hmm. They're very, they are fun to bang. There's something that I gravitate to. They're exciting. Whereas mm-hmm. now I'm playing more guitar and that's exciting to me too, but it's not exciting in the same way. Mm. You I, can kind of do it with abandon in the same way. Yeah, you can. Just might sound teensy bit off. <laughs> Maybe it sounds like scream metal or heavy metal. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. Anyway, so thanks for listening. That was about all we got for today. Guess we could just always keep going. We could always go. We could talk forever. We could That's talk forever. Cool. But yeah. I like keeping it to about 40 minutes. Oh, okay. Is it 40 minutes? Yeah, it's already 2.12. Wow. Mm-hmm. Time flies. Time flies. And thanks for listening to another great episode. <laughs> this was a great episode. It wasn't being so wonderful. Uh, happy belated pie day. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, review the podcast, tell friends, follow me on Instagram, uh, listen to Nikki's music, and yes. read her blog. I might start a blog at some point when I travel, start traveling more after school. So That would be great. Yeah, I'm going to write a new, a new entry to my blog. Can I tell you a quick story about yeah. flying? So we're not going yet, guys. So I went to a small fishing village where I was seeing patients last week and I had to take one of these little Cessna minivan planes. And I realized that first of all, I'm scared of heights. And so I'm always anxious when I'm on a plane, which is not very good considering I'm doing so much flying right now. And then there's always turbulence and I worry tremendously about turbulence. And then all of a sudden I decided that turbulence was absolutely necessary in order to go through clouds and head over mountains and fly through the air. But that didn't mean that anything was wrong. So I made that decision. I said to myself, turbulence is absolutely necessary and nothing is wrong. And then all of a sudden the turbulence just didn't bother me. And then I started counting like how much time was there turbulence versus how much time was the flight? And the flight was 40 minutes and there was only 30 seconds of turbulence. Mm. And then I thought how much of my brain space was spent worrying about the turbulence beforehand, during and after, and thought it was ridiculous that 90% of my brain space was spent worrying about turbulence that only took 30 seconds out of a 40 minute flight. So when I came back from the fishing village, I just had that thought in my mind that turbulence is necessary and everything is okay. Nothing's went wrong. And I love the flight and I saw the most beautiful sights that I could really enjoy that I think people pay a lot of money to see. Nice. So that's and that's a good segue into maybe next episode. We'll talk about not worrying about things outside of your control. 
That is so Which true. is a very important thing that I believe in. And on that note, thanks for listening. We love all you guys and have a great week. We love you. Bye, everybody.